Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. We're back. Welcome to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. You already know how I am. I'm always excited for every guest that says yes to coming on and, uh, and allowing me to interview them. It is always an honor and a joy to be able to share this space and allow folks to, to tell their story about their first triathlon and beyond whatever else they're doing. Today is nothing different except I have someone whose voice you might have heard. He's might have, he's, he might have, he's, <laughs> he might have called you across a few finish lines. Yes, he's an announcer, a professional announcer at that, but he's also a triathlete. And he's done every distance from the sprint to a full Ironman. And it gets better. He was a coach. So he really knows all the ins and outs about racing and being a multi-sport athlete. Without further ado, I get to bring to the stage or to the podcast, Tony Lugo. Welcome to Try Beginner's Luck, Tony. How you doing? Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so stuck to be here with you. So happy. Super, oh. super happy to be here with you. I'm super stoked to have you. So this is going to be fun because you always bring so much energy to the races, whether you're racing or announcing. And I've been able to see you in both settings. And so where does that come from? And what gets you excited about racing and announcing? Well, I mean, um, I've been involved with the sport of triathlon since 1999. That's when I did my very first Ironman race. I um, I saw the uh, this thing on TV called the uh, Ironman World Championships back in 1997. And uh, I saw the show. I already did some marathons. So I had a little background of running. So I've done seven marathons before I tried to do an Ironman triathlon. And um, so I saw the show in 1997. I taped it and I watched that thing every day. And that's when it became like a passion for me because I said, I, I, I got to do that. I want to do that. And I want to be called that. I want to be called an Iron Man. At the, at the moment, I didn't, I didn't know who said it. I mean, we all know Mike Riley is the voice of Iron Man. And he, he, became, he came with the phrase of, of you are an Iron Man. But at the time, I didn't know. I just wanted to be called that. And that's how I started uh, with, with triathlon. I, um, it's funny because I figure, hey, you know, it's three disciplines, swim, bike, run. I know I can do the run. I just need to buy a bike. And just need to learn how to swim. I mean, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, you just no learn how deal. to swim. So that's, that's, that was my mentality. That was my philosophy. I said, all right, so two out of three ain't bad. So I just got to get and, and learn how to swim. So it was surprising for me because the first time I went to the pool to do like a 50 meter size pool, I couldn't get to the half of the pool. I, I mean, halfway I had to stop. 
And I'm thinking to myself, so this is 50 meters and I got to do 4,000. So how am I going to do that? So that's how I started. I mean, like full time doing a lot of swimming, trying to get better, basically learning how to breathe in the water, because that's basically what you need to do. You got to learn how to breathe and get that rhythm going. And um, and then from from that point on, I mean, it's, it's a change of a lifestyle, basically. That's right now. I don't even, I, I, I've been doing triathlons for almost 25 years and I don't train anymore. I just, I just wake up in the morning. I do my regular things, you know, brush your teeth and get on the bike or brush your teeth and go for a run. It's just part of your life. And that's what it is now. I mean, basically that's, that's my life. All right. It's your lifestyle, but I, I'm confused by something you said when you first opened up, you, you lit, you saw the Ironman race in 1997 and you knew that you wanted to be called an Ironman. But in 1999, you went straight to the Ironman distance? Because if so, you are like Rocket Man. Or did you do some other races prior to that? Because if so, you left that out. So I did. So I signed up. In August of 1999, I did my, my first triathlon. It was kind of like a sprint distance, maybe. Oh, it, was kind okay. of, it, it was a weird distance. That was in August 99. September, I did, I did an Olympic distance. Mm -hmm. And then November, I did the full Ironman. So that was my... That's how okay. I went. You know, okay, so that, was, that was my progression. Let's you know, talk when about sprint, that. a little a little Olympic distance and then just go for the full. There weren't that many 70.3s. Actually, 70.3 did not exist back then. They used to be called half Ironmans. And there were very few of them. Actually, we had one next to Puerto Rico. I live in Puerto Rico. So there was one in San Croix. And it was famous because they had like like a big, huge hill. It's called the Beast. And uh, so that was one of the ones that I did, but I did that after I did my first full. So yeah, I did, you know, sprint, Olympic, and then full. Yeah. Interesting. We heard about the beast from a, another guest that was on, his name is Lloyd Henry, who's from St. Croix. And mm -hmm. so he always wanted to do that race, but you did a sprint in August, in September, you did the Olympic, and in November, mm -hmm. you did a full. a full. Let's walk through that progression, because I think sometimes with beginners, and just those who are in the sport, right? We want to know, like, what was that like training? Because if you did this in 1999, I'm sure the training and the resources were a little bit different then. So oh. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can say that again. <laughs> the resources were very different in 1999 because we were still thinking, like, hey, what's going to happen when the clock strikes midnight going into 2000s? So... What was training like for your first sprint? Take us through that and then take us through your first race. So what I did, I, I trained for the sprint and the Olympic race on the Ironman training that I got from a magazine. There was, um, it was funny because it was a triathlete magazine back then. Um, and they had a cover that said 13 weeks for a 13 hour Ironman. It was just one page that they had, you know, in the magazine. And I just ripped that page apart, put it on my fridge, and I that was it. That was my training plan. And actually, it worked because I ended up doing like under 13 hours, like at 12 something. So actually, it did work. That I mean, the training plan. But yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a CO2 cartridge was when I did my first Ironman. So yeah, I mean... Um, I wouldn't recommend to people to do what I did, you know, just go from too short distance to a full, 
um, I, I would really recommend the beginners um, to, you know, take their time, talk to their coaches, um, get a coach. A beginners, get a coach. Uh, it's, it's always good to have a coach and have uh, somebody's opinion on it and, um, and take your time. You know, don't, don't rush it because especially the younger ones. I mean, for adults, I mean, the body's mature, but if you're a younger athletes, you know, like in your 20s, you know, I would stay away from the fools, you know, let that, let your body, you know, grow and mature a little more. And um, yeah, once you hit the 30s, I mean, you're, you're good to go with the fools. But yeah, um, take it easy on the progression of the distances and make sure that your body is ready for that because it could be dangerous. I mean, I mean, we have people that have been injured, you know, health-wise in this type of event because they're not prepared. So you got to be prepared. That was a lot. Take it easy. Take your time. Get a coach. Prepare. 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 Just, you got to prepare. Yes. That is a necessity. 13 weeks. Triathlete Magazine has helped so many people with that whole tear out of the back, strip it open, and then mail it in. Or, you know, for you, your training plan of being able to put it out there on your refrigerator so that you could train. Take us through your races and race day because you didn't even know what a CO2 cartridge was. So I hope you didn't have to need one because that could have been an epic day of failure. But take us through your swim for your first three distance of races because I'm assuming you got better with each race. And swimming was what you struggled with the most because you didn't know how to swim. So at your sprint race, what was it like swimming perhaps in open water for the first time? It's scary, very scary. <laughs> Still is very scary. You know, when you're not a swimmer, I mean, it, it, you know, that's one of the things, you know, that you get scared a little bit about. Um, but the first time on, on my first triathlon, Oh my God, I swallowed so much water because it was open water. It was rough seas and I'm used to be swimming in a pool. You know, that's where I learned. So it was, it was very rough. So what I would say before you go to an open water swim, if it's your first one, try one, try one before race day. You know, I would really suggest that try one before race day and uh, get into basically how to navigate. Because when you're in a swimming pool, you have that, the line underneath that you can you can you know navigate just looking at the line on open water you need to sight you gotta lift your sight up and make sure that you can see where you're at and um that way I mean that would be my my best advice to you know if you're not a swimmer and never been open water try to do that first and practice that because I had a, I mean it was a tough time for me um then um the second triathlon I did, it wasn't that bad. It was it was calm and water, so and I came out okay. I'm an average swimmer. I mean, I learned how to swim in a way that I could do 100 meters every two minutes. So that's an average swim. It's not too bad. And I could go to the pool three times a week, and I will average two minutes. And I can go to the pool once a month, and I will average two minutes. So again, because I am not a swimmer, I'm not going to be any faster. I'm happy with that. I just want to get out of the water. So here I am, 1999, at the Ironman in Florida. It was mass starts. 
it was not rolling starts. Rolling starts, you know, that you seat yourself according to your expected finishing time. You see a sign that says a, a, a time on it. And if that's the time that you're thinking you're going to be doing it, so you get with that group. Now, mass starts, you go everybody at once. So here I am at the front of the line. Yes, not a smart move on my part. And so I get into the water. And this is a contact sport. When my starts goes off, it's a contact sport. And I was getting hit and left and right. And I look and I say, I, 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 I'm stopping. So I'm out 200 yards out. And I just want to turn around. And I, I, I have no business here, right? But when I looked, there was like 2,000 people coming my way. So it was easier to go the other way than turning back to the shore. So that's how I finished. I was just running. I was swimming away from people basically. And I came out of the water and I was so happy. I was so thrilled because I didn't drown. But yeah, um, so, so yeah, another another advice for the beginners. Um, yeah, do not stand in front of the line if you're not a heavy swimmer. You know, if you're not a really good swimmer, don't, don't go on the front. <laughs> you and Mark Turner probably have so much in common because Mark Turner, that was his first thing. He happened to get the number one and went first and he was like, uh, I don't think I should have done that but yeah. you're right like mass starts can be so wild and you ended up running away from the crowd which allowed you to save your race and that although it's funny now it probably was not funny in the moment oh it was scary I mean I'm telling you and that's the reason we're doing rolling starts now because I say 80 percent of the athletes do not have a swing background Okay, they have a biking or running background, but a lot of the athletes they do not have a swim background, and that is very stressful. Mm -hmm. So when we do rolling starts now, when we do let's say three people or four people every five seconds, it's a lot smoother than going five thousand at a time, and that way people is a lot more relaxed when they get into the water and start. They don't start hyperventilating that much. Because that's oh, one yeah. of the things that happens in the water. You start hyperventilating, and then you, you, your rhythm gets all messed up, and you have to stop. You got to start grabbing buoys, kayaks. Again, you know, rolling starts are a lot more smoother, you know, a lot more relaxed. So, yeah. But um, it's, 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 it's a learning process. I still get scared. Wow. 25 years later. Things. Wow. And, uh, so 14 Ironman in, 25 years being a triathlete, and you still get scared for this yes. one. Wow. I get, I mean, it's and the way I say to the people when I do the briefings, the athlete briefings that I do at different races, I mean, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay. Because that, mean that means you care about the outcome or whatever is going to happen. But it's not okay to be overly nervous, overly anxious. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just swim, bike, run. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you break it out, I mean, all you got to do is just, you know, micro it. Just make it smaller. Mm. Just don't swim 2.4 miles. Just swim buoy to buoy. Buoy to buoy. That's yeah. good. That's good stuff. All yeah. right. So we, we, we got to swim out the way. Yes. For all for three of your first races. Yes. Take us through the bike. Oh, the bike. Oh. <laughs> funny thing, funny story on the bike course. First Ironman. 
So I get out of the water. I'm happy because I'm out of the water. I'm alive. So I get on the bike. And uh, so I start riding. And I get a flat. So I change my flat. You know, again, I, I have one of those bike frame pumps. I don't know if you remember those that you, mm -hmm. that you put on the, on the bike frame. So I have one of those. And uh, so I fix the flat. Okay. I go again. Then I get another flat. So I go to fix it again. And then the pump wasn't working well because it wasn't sealing right on the valve. So it was leaking air. So I couldn't, I couldn't fix it, right? So I'm standing here like this with one arm with the, the tire here and then the pump over here. Some guy stopped. He pulled something out of his pocket and he just fixed my flat in like two seconds. And I'm like, what? What was that? It was a CO2 cartridge. So I didn't know what, I didn't even know that you could have that. So, hey, here I am. And I'm thanking athlete number 672, because I don't even know his name, who saved my race with that CO2 cartridge. And I was like, okay, so finish the bike. And I was so happy. And I went and I looked at the merch store for what, what a CO2 cartridge was, because I didn't know. And I went I, and I bought like 10 of them. <laughs> I went and bought like 10 of them just to have them just in case. But yeah, uh, it was a very long bike. Because then again, Panama City uh, is a 112 mile one loop. So, I mean, you don't see much out there. It's just a lot of flatlands and a lot of pine trees. And so, yeah, so it, it gets to be a little tedious. So it's a mental game. So that's where you got to start working with your mental aspect of the whole racing. Because this is a lot, I mean, it is 80% mental, 20% physical. If you do the training, physical training, that, I mean, you can do any races, but it's the mental thing, mm. you know, that you got to cope with it. I would agree. And, uh, yeah, the CO2 cartridge. CO2 Thank cartridge. You. Thank it you. It was sir. amazing. I mean, that guy, I mean, he was so nice, though. I mean, I, I don't even know who it was. Most athletes, most triathletes are nice and very helpful and always wanting to help and always carrying more than enough because you never know who's going to need it. And I think that's, again, we say this often, that just speaks to the fabric of the sport and the kindness because we all know what the suffering is like. And so we want to at least make, you know, help to make people's lives better if we can in that particular moment. And so shout out to the person who helped you uh, with your bike. You're a runner. Oh, you want to say something? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so you're a runner. You had done a several races before your sprint, your Olympic, and your full distance all in 1999. What was the run like for you the first time that you got off the bike at your first race, your first sprint okay. race? So, that, so again, I did some running. I started doing marathons back in 95. So I did New York Marathon. 95, 96, 97. Then I did like Chicago and Boston. So I got, I figured, hey, I got this run thing down. I'm good, right? But not after a 112 mile bike ride. It's a big, it's a, it's a bit of a different run <laughs> when you're running without a bike before, and then when you're running after 112 miles of bikes. And um, when I started running. I, 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 I didn't, I mean, you practice your brick training, 
usually. When you're doing your training, you do a little bike ride and then you go for a run, 10-minute run, 15-minute run, just to get accustomed to the transition, neuromuscular transition and all that. But, um, oh, my God, I remember when I got off that bike. All I wanted to do, I wanted, I just wanted to get off the bike. I said, I just, I, I got to get off this thing. And I started trying to run. I, I started basically walking. And then I got, like, after, like, a mile, that's when I got a little rhythm, and I started running. But uh, it is a very different animal, <laughs> you know, running a marathon than running a marathon after 112 mile bike ride. That is a whole different thing. So you gotta you gotta adapt, and you gotta you gotta train again. You gotta do a lot of brick training for that. And after those years, every time I did a bike ride, I went out for a run because I figure I'm never gonna feel the way I felt back then. Mm-hmm. You know. I need to I need to I need to be better at that. So I was just practicing a lot of bricks, a lot of brick training, which is bike run immediately after. So and that's how I that's how I got better or better, you know, a little less slower. Because <laughs> I wasn't too fast. I was just there. But um yeah, the running, the running part, I thought I had it all down, but no. You know, it's 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 different sport. I mean, running is a sport. Triathlon is a sport. So three different three different disciplines, but still a sport, and it's in itself totally different from running. So that was your first iron distance, but the very mm-hmm. first time in your sprint race, because a lot of times beginners aren't starting with the iron distance; they're starting with mm-hmm. the sprint or the Olympic. And so you were just very fortunate to progress all in within a six month period, right? So what was it like, you know, doing that first sprint? Because the sprint helped build you up, I'm assuming, for the big race and that finish. Because that, I'm coming, I'm going somewhere with it. So what was it like in your first race ever? No, I mean, again, that first sprint race, I was just happy that I was just out there. Okay. I mean, I didn't know I was going to be able to do anything. I mean, let alone finish the swim. You know, when I got out of the water, I was like, wow, this is great. Then I got on the bike. But then on the run, that's when you realize, hey, I'm doing it. I'm really doing this thing, you know. And then you, you get closer to the finish line and you're really doing it. And and all kinds of emotions start going through your mind. And and um, and it's so exciting. I mean, when, when you think that you, on the back of your mind, you know you can do it. But you have everybody in your environment telling you, hey, you cannot, and you're, or you don't look the part, or you're, because, hey, again, I mean, I was not the perfect triathlete, you know, body thing, you know. I weighed like, I don't know, I was maybe 30, 35 pounds heavier than, than, I, than now. And um, it's, it's different, you know, when, when you see everybody out there and everybody's like ripped and all, you know, you know, all muscular and this and that, and then you're like, why am why am I here, right? But again, you know, I say, why not, right? Why not? Why not me here, right? I mean, why not is my name backwards? Y N O T. Think about it. <laughs> you got all the jokes. I love it. And you're right. As I heard you talking this last time, I was like, wait a minute. He did. He had three first-time experiences in one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Three first time experiences. And so each finish line presented a different feel, a different challenge. And um, what was that feeling the first time that you did it? And the second time, and then finally with the Ironman distance, because I'm sure you were just like, wow, I just did all these three. I'm not only just proud of myself, but I accomplished something I didn't think that was attainable. True. I mean, it's, especially when, when that's, that is not your thing. I mean, I was not an athlete in college. I didn't do anything. I mean, I, I was really, I, I was really good at partying. I, hey, I, I was like, oh yeah, I was, I was varsity. I was varsity party. I tell you that. But uh, I didn't do anything, any sports in college or anything like that. I did play volleyball when I was like in grade school, mm -hmm. but uh, not in college. And um, so I mean, I did, I did the normal things, you know, smoke and drink, and that's what I did. And, and for some reason, this lifestyle of triathlon just. You know, he soaks you in and spits you out like a better person. And and that's that's when you start, you know, looking for different goals. I mean, once I get my sprint, I said, okay, so I got this done. What's next? What's the next longest thing? So it was the Olympic. Oh, so all right. So it's twice the, it's twice the distance. I said, wow, it's twice the distance. That's a lot. But it's not as much as the Ironman. So it's not that bad. So I did the Olympic. And then you get the accomplishment of, wow, I finished the Olympic distance. And that's what all the beginner triathletes should be out there, you know, just just feeling the moment, you know, get into that moment and, and forget about everything else, you know, and forget about people telling you, nah, you're not going to be able to do that. Actually, that's that's just, that's what fires me when people tell me, nah, you're not going to be able to do that. I'm sure I can. Yes, I will, you know, but... um. It's a whole, it's a mental thing, Mishana. It's a whole mental thing, you know? What I love that you said was that triathlon just sucks you in. And that's a beautiful thing, mm. you know, because you do, if you're doing it right, you do get better with each try. And that's the, the premise of it because you can stretch yourself to new goals. If you did your sprint, then you can do an Olympic or try a super sprint. And there's, there's just endless possibilities of better. Because each mean, race, it's just endless. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and and, and to to tell or all the fans out there, I mean, listen, don't even think about you know the negatives of of, of the thing. I mean, all you got to do is just give it a try. Mm -hmm. I mean, triathlon is great because I mean you don't have to be good. At any of the sports, you could be bad at all three sports and still do it. You know what I mean? And basically, that's what triathlon is. Triathlon is people that are not that great in any of the three sports, so they just do all three together. You know, and, and that's how it works. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast um, and you've never done a triathlon, you know what? Look for one, sign up, because you got to sign up. That's the first step. Just sign up, put that commitment, the, the, the monetary commitment, you know, whatever it is, $50, $75, whatever it is, just make a commitment and uh, sign up and then do the training and see what happens. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you either it's going to happen two things. Either you're going to finish 
or you're not. And if you don't, you try it again. It's, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not that complicated. And uh, if you finish, you you know celebrate and you do it again to see if you can do better. But if you yeah. don't, well, you try it again just to see if you can finish. Yeah. You know, it's a win-win. It's always a win-win. It's always a. You speak my language. Yes, it is a win-win. Always Ooh. a win-win. Always a win-win. You cannot lose when you try. Period. With that said, you got your first races. You've continued to do races for twenty-five years. But you're a coach. Yes. Let's talk about that coaching a little bit, because that probably puts a different spin and perspective in your own personal racing. Well, the thing is, when back when I started uh, in Puerto Rico, there was only like maybe in 99, it was four people and then me. So it was five people that done Ironmans, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, whatever one of those five people said, People were going to say, like, wow, you know, he knows what he's doing. So I started reading. I started educating myself. And um, and there was, like, 12 people that were, how would you say, um, not smart enough to say, yes, train me. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and I put everything that I knew, which it wasn't that much. But I did, um, I did do all the training for them. And, and I did all the tapering, and we all went to Panama City then the following year in 2000, and we 12 of us finished. And um, so, yeah, actually, I in 2004, I trained my wife um, for her first Ironman. She was, like, the first woman Ironman in Puerto Rico. And uh, so, yeah, um, sometimes ignorance is a bliss. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, but there was a need for you, and so do you still coach to this day? Um, not re not really because of the announcing. I mean, I'm I'm really more into the announcing right now, announcing side of it. Um, I do co I coach myself basically, um, because uh, I don't. I've always coached my coach myself. I never had to coach myself, but um, no, I don't coach anymore. Um, just announce. And have some really, really, really awesome time at finish lines. Okay. That's what I do now. Well, let's just transition right on into the announcing. How did you get started announcing? Announcing, I got started back in uh, 2000, in the year 2000. Um, back then, I used to own a spinning studio. That's why I, I did a lot of my coaching, because I had my spinning studio. And so I knew a lot of the bike shop owners because I used to buy parts for my spinning bicycles mm -hmm. and there was a cycling race on a Sunday and it was kind of like a crit, crit race and cycling like you go around many times yeah. and uh, the, the cycling race was pretty boring it was like a 30 <laughs> lap race and the organizers a friend of mine Fernando, he was from Argentina and it was an international race. So those people from the US from the islands that spoke English and he didn't know how to speak English and there was some instructions that needed to be said and he needed somebody to say that. And I was at the moment, I was just right next to him and he had the microphone and I said, Fernando, whatever you need, let me know and I'll say it. So I grabbed the mic and I said whatever he needed me to say. And I asked him, listen, can I do some intermediate sprints? So intermediate sprints in cycling is like if you have a race, let's say of uh, 25 laps race, 
like let's say on the on the on the fifth lap, on the tenth, on the fifteenth lap, you put money on the line. So intermediate sprint. So intermediate in between the races be, before the race is over. So you have uh, lap number ten, you have a hundred dollars. Lap fifteen, you have two hundred dollars. So I started doing that by asking people that were watching the race. I was asking people for money. <sighs> To put it for the sprint. So I was like, I was looking at my friends that own the shops. Like uh, a friend of mine, his name is Jose Boyo. And I said, Jose, if you give me $20, I say the name of your bike shop 20 times. I said, okay, no problem. So I he gave me 20 bucks. And I started getting money and putting, you know, putting everything out on the for, for the intermediate sprints. So the next weekend, there was a, a new cycling race that's been going on for 20 some years. It's called the Bayamon Grand Prix. And the guys were racing, and they saw me doing what I was doing. And they go like, hey, why don't you come with us next weekend? We have a race. And we need you to do exactly the same thing you're doing here. We're going to put a case of beer in a cooler. <laughs> and you can talk all day. And that's it. I said, for a case of beer, I'll do a weekend of <laughs> announcing. And that was my first paying job. Was a was a with a case of beer at the Bayamon Grand Prix in two thousand and one. That was my first paint job for us announcing, and then I started announcing for Ironman in twenty eleven, when the Ironman seventy point three came to Puerto Rico. I was supposed to race, but um, my my ex wife now at the time uh, she's still the volunteer director, and she came up to me and she was like. Well, you know what? We have an announcer, but he only speaks English. And you done announcing, and you know everybody in triathlon here in the island. So what, you know, can you help us doing the announcement? I said, sure, no problem. So it's like, I'm like, okay. So because I got, I was getting paid with beer back then. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, what am I going to be paying with these people, right? So it, I didn't, they didn't pay me anything. So they gave me my money back from my registration for the race. So I got my money back and I worked the race. It was fun. And then after the 2011 Puerto Rico race, they had the Panama race, the 70.3 in Panama. And they really needed somebody who spoke Spanish for Panama. So they hired me. And that was the first time that I got, got hired by Ironman um, in 2012 for Panama. 2011, I just did a freebie for them, you know. That's how it works sometimes. And then been announcing since, you know, 2011. And now I do like the U.S. and I do um, Latin America and yeah, all over the place. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And I think, you know, sometimes that's how you get your start. You just get your start by somebody handing you a mic. You're just having fun with it. You're doing it. You're like, oh, this. And you, yeah. you, you give your, your freebies here and there. And then at a certain point, you're like, okay, it's enough. Um, Show me the money, but yeah, I love show me the, the money, right? Show me the money, but yeah, now I get a little, pay, uh, I get paid a little more than beer now. Yeah, that's yeah. good because otherwise yeah, you I'll can, be like, you can, mm. you can make a living. Let's put it that way. That's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. That is a good thing, and you know, I think announcing is a really, it's not a job for everyone, and sometimes it looks more glamorous than it can be. Um. But it's a good thing to be able to encourage athletes across the finish line and to be able to touch them in a way that makes them feel special, make them feel seen, heard, and accomplished. 
because that's our job. And so speak to one of your favorite, uh, you probably have many, but what's one of your favorite um, announcing stories that you would like to share? I'll tell you what, announcing for me is, okay, on a race, my favorite place to be is at the swim start, right in the middle of the people coming in, in the rolling start, I, I go, I get smack in the middle and I just look at their eyes and, and, and you see, I mean, you see all kinds of emotions looking at the people's eyes. And um, sometimes you see the people walking down to the water like this and, you know, they're like praying and some others are crying and, and that emotion, I mean, for me, my job is just to counter, you know, have them calm down, relax, you know, have them enter the water, you know, with enough self-confidence that they can do what they're about to do. And um, yeah, my, my, my job, and, and I tell you, um, and I, like I said, my favorite place to be is just right at that, at the swim start, right in the middle, when the people are walking into the water, and, and I, I just feel that emotion and it's awesome. I mean, the finish lines are great. I love finish lines. I mean, this, and there's no question about that. But that, that starting line, I mean, when they start rolling in and, and the fear and the nervousness and, and all that emotion is, is awesome. That's just, I love it. What are some things that you do to calm them down? Because I'm thinking now, like if this is your favorite place to be, what is your saying that gets them calm and gets them going? Because you're right, everyone has a different place where they they love. So you're speaking to me as a beginner, scared of the water. I'm coming down with the prayer hands. What would you say? And I will look at you and I will tell you, you can do this. You train for this. Hey. And if you train for this, you can do this. I mean, that's it. All you got to do is just believe on in your training. If you've done your homework, if you've done your homework for your training, there's nothing you have to worry about. All you got to do is just execute the plan. That's all. But then again, I mean, it is those moments before you go into the water, because especially for the first timers, is the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. That's it. And and you got to let them know it's going to be okay. And you look at them into the eyes and you tell them it's going to be okay. And you put your arms around this and you walk them into the water. I had a lady in Texas and um, I think it was Waco. Um, she didn't want to go into the water. I mean, she just she was just blocked. She couldn't go into the water. And I just started talking to her and, and, and just talking to her. And I just kept walking her down. You know, I don't think she was, you know, she noticed she was walking with me. All of a sudden, she's just touching the water. And I'm like, okay, off you go. And I just push her in. And she went. You know, but it's just that. All you got to do is just keep, a, keep, keep that athlete a little confidence. You know, and, and let them know that, hey, you did this. You're ready for this. Just believe that you can do it and you will do it. That's that's the bottom line. So from your perspective, because announcers sometimes can see a bird's eye view of the things that go right, the things that go wrong. 
what are some habits that you see from beginners that you would caution them against from your purview? Um, you know, they just, they just concentrate too much on, on, on the outcome of time. I mean, if you're a first timer, you know what? Don't even wear a watch if you don't have to. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about the time. Forget about it. Just go into the water, finish the swim. As long as, long as you're not the last person going into the water, let's say there's time limits in the swim and different, you know, for the different events. So as long as you're not the last person going into the water, you will come out within the time limit. You know, just relax. Don't look at, don't, don't put pressure. You have enough pressure of finishing, let alone trying to finish in a certain time when you don't know what's going to happen because you've never been there. You know, I mean, you've never done 2.4, and 26.2 on the same day. You maybe train 100 miles one day. Maybe you ran 20 miles the other day, but you never put it together on the same day, right? So if you're a first-timer, forget about the time. Just enjoy it. Just say, smile every mile. That, I love that. Smile every mile. Yeah, that was a good friend of mine. Um, her name is Erica Kuntz. And actually, it was in Maryland, I met her. And she was like, oh, and he says, oh, we got to smile every mile. He says, yes, you do, Erica. You got to smile every mile. Yeah. So you got 140.6 miles out there for the pools. I love that. I love it. Yep. It's so interesting. Um, from an energy standpoint, you are sometimes the heartbeat of the race. How do you keep your energy engaging enough so that I'll tell you what if I mean if I if I see you you're you're training the thought correctly um all right so we as announcers we are there to inform that's what we do at first on the race before race day we are there to communicate and we are there to motivate okay so um when you're out there and that finish line is, is, I mean, it's just happening, right? And you gotta, you, I mean, you gotta be up there. You, mm-hmm. When when I'm done of a finish at a, a little past midnight on one of those uh, Ironman, full Ironmans, we are totally drained because the amount of energy that we put out there is immense. I mean, especially the last hour on that finish line you gotta have that. You gotta have that finish line pumping, and it is our job as announcers to make that happen and make that happen in a really in, in a fun way, mm-hmm. you know, for everybody, not just for the athletes. You got family members there waiting, so you gotta interact with the family members. And I feed off the I feed off the fans all the time. I mean, when I have fans out there, that's that's my energy feed. That's where I get it from. And of course, you got to have good music. So I tell the guys that are doing the music, you got to just keep me moving and I'll be happy. I just tell them, I tell the guys from, from sound, it's like, just keep me moving. Don't, don't, don't make me stop moving because then I'll fall asleep. I mean, after what? I mean, we go, we go out to transition at four o'clock in the morning and it's 12 midnight. We're still out there. I mean, it's, it's a long day. Mm. 
you know. So uh, as long as we keep moving, we'll be fine. And when thinking about that energy, again, from my perspective, I do sprints, Olympics, and half distances. So for you, it is a longer day. And I think that's why I was kind of asking my question about the, or, or trying to get it out, but couldn't speak for whatever reason. You don't do any smaller races. Your focus now are more of the Ironman brand distances. Right. And cycling races, et cetera. Okay. That, yes. that it's, that's a, a good perspective. And so what is a Tony Lugo-ism? Wow. I don't oh, think I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think I have a, a, a Tony Lugo-ism. You know, I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't have, I don't have one yet. I got to, I got to figure out, I got to figure that one out. Like, what's um, one thing that people know, like, if they're coming to a race, and I think this year you say you're doing Texas, uh, you're in Panama. Right, and... I'll be, uh, right. Well, you know what I would say, Michelle? I mean, my my only Tony Lugoism will be basically the tone of my voice. Because when I'm at a race, and I, I see, and this happens to me a lot, people don't see me sometimes when I'm announcing, but when they hear me, they know it's me. Yeah. It's like, oh, I heard your voice. I know it was you. I know it was you. It was going to be. I mean, so I guess that would be my thing. But I don't have like a phrase or or, or an ism that I could say. Hey, that, that's 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 Tony's Tonyism. No, I don't have that. You don't have a Tony. I got I got to figure that one out. <laughs> don't worry, we'll come back with the next time you come to the show. We'll be like, so now, what have you told me? <laughs> what have you have noticed about yourself? What have you noticed that you do <laughs> all the time? And you'd be like, ah, that's a Tonyism. <laughs> yeah, that's a Tonyism. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, my goodness. It's so interesting to see um, and just hear different vantage points of the race. One of the things that when I started my podcast, what I was wanting is that I would be able to bring in members from every aspect of the race because usually they've participated in a multi-sport distance or a triathlon and so you know to hear from the announcer's advantage the announcer's vantage point i think that's special because a lot of times people are feeding off of our energy and they want something from us sometimes that we don't even know we're supposed to give but we give quite naturally because of what we do and in our role. And so what is an experience that you would say you see a lot of first timers on the Ironman distance make that you oftentimes have to help them kind of either self-correct in that moment or make that adjustment or if that is even a thing? Um, I try like, as an announcer, I try not to get um, like involved with the, the athletes if they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Because again, they were coached by somebody sometimes and maybe that's their thing. So for me, there's no right or wrong to let the people know, hey, don't do that. Or, you know, if you do that, this is going to happen and it's going to be, it's not going to be positive or what have you. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I I try to stay away from that, Michelle. I, I try not to give opinions on, mm -hmm. on things about racing, and especially first timers, 
um because you never know i mean right. they were doing they're doing things maybe that their coaches told them to do um so like but, race morning forgetting their race caps like mm -hmm. and and again that could be on a like a smaller distance level like do you ever see people mm -hmm. forgetting race caps or not having um how, how about their this timing one? chip <laughs> well how about this one not taking the swim cap and putting the, the the cycling helmet on you know with the swim cap on i've seen that happen what? so the, the athlete comes out of the water takes the goggles off right and then puts the helmet on it and forgets to take the swim cap and i'm like you're gonna you're gonna cook yourself in there <laughs> so yeah i've seen that happen i've seen athletes putting the helmet backwards and come coming out a transition with the bike and the helmet backwards so yeah I mean, those are the things that you see, but it's still, it's, it happens because they're just in such a hurry. I'm like, you know, slow down, take your time, make sure you put the thing right and then just get on the race. But yeah, um, especially in the, in, in the shorter races, that's when a lot of the beginners go in. Yeah. And that's what you see. I help them. I will help them a lot in transition. How do I, how do I accommodate things in transition? You know, I think that helps a lot to the first timers. How to have everything order and neat in transition, because that way they will be a lot easier to with the flow of things. So yeah, I I, I would do that. I, I usually, you know, if I see somebody that was you know not experienced enough and have everything all over the place, it's like, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let me show you something. Exactly. And then you just put the shoes, the cycling shoes, and then the running shoes and everything in order and nice and pretty. I said, take a picture and use it as a reference. So, yeah. And that's what I meant. And I think sometimes, yeah. you know, we aren't there to help people with giving them a, their opinions. But sometimes mm -hmm. it's just a little simple things about uh, your transition area. You're going to be right. confused if you come back here or make sure you have X, Y, and Z so it's easier for you. Because I think sometimes people just need to know those things, whether they have a coach or not. When they get there in that moment, their minds mm -hmm. are thinking about so many other things beyond the most important things is making sure you're organized so that you can have a good race. Right. So right. those are just some of the things that I, I often see. Um, and on the smaller distances, it's like race belt, like having the simple things that you know you need uh, right. that just are just missing. And so just wanted to ask you those questions, but I mean, Tony, I mean, for, for the first time, it's just about educating them, you know, yeah. in a, in a nice way, you know, you tell them in a nice way, you know, I mean, do this and do that. I mean, you just, you suggest do this and do that. You let them do whatever they want, but yeah, I mean, you just educate them. So they, so it's, you know, they have a, a, an easier time. Yeah, going through the whole motions. I mean, especially. I mean, they've never done that. So yeah, the the, the beginners, you know, just make sure that transition is is one of the things that usually gets them. Um, how to set up the transition and where everything goes. So yeah, I mean, I would say that to the beginners. Um, yeah, get organized, do everything organized, and 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 just. I mean, there's Google now. You can Google everything. <laughs> There is Google now. <laughs> and a lot of things are Googleable. But however, yeah. Google doesn't provide experiences. You yeah, know, Google yeah, doesn't yeah. provide an experience. And so sometimes you gotta experience it and you gotta then go like, through the motions. Oh, okay. You gotta go okay. through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tony, this has been great. We have rapid fire, so I can't let you leave here without doing some rapid fire. Um yes. favorites. <laughs> 
Ah. What's your favorite distance? Favorite distance. Yeah, I go for the full. That's 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 what I trained. That's what I've trained for always. So yeah, I go for the full. I like the fulls. Yeah. Okay. What's one piece of gear or equipment you don't go without? That you can't uh, live without, I should say. Like there's something that you'd be like, I have to have this with me at every single race. Um I have a special hat. <laughs> it's a very old hat. I don't know if it's a lucky hat or unlucky hat. Because <laughs> I had, I mean, I had good races with a hat and bad races with a hat. So I guess it's, yeah, but I guess I, that hat I have to have. I, it's got to come with me to, 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 you know, when I travel with it, you know, for races. Not necessarily I'll use it, but I have it. It's yeah. there. It's okay. just a thing, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's a stupid thing, but yeah. No, everybody has their thing. I love that. <laughs> Your favorite place to bike outside of Puerto Rico? Oh, Colorado. I will. I mean, I when I went for the, I went, I did the uh, Ironman Boulder, mm -hmm. and I loved it there. The only thing is, I can't breathe because it's too high for me. But I loved it. Elevation. You know, I'm a sea level kind of guy. You know what I mean? I'm from the islands. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm from the tropics. So yeah. But Boulder is beautiful. I loved it. I mean, I, I like. I, I mean, if I ever move somewhere that doesn't have ocean, and I guess things too cold for me. Yeah. You know. And then but yeah, Boulder, the, 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 the Boulder race or New Zealand. That was that was amazing. Mm. The New Zealand race. I bet yeah. that was. I bet that was, they're both beautiful in very different ways. Very different scenarios. Very different yeah. Ways. Yep. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, what or who inspires you? I would say the story of Bob Jordan. Bob Jordan is a fellow, is an XB, uh, he's an ex-FBI agent who back in 97, he was at the Ironman in the mm -hmm. story for the Ironman 1997. And um, he had a story about his daughter. His daughter passed. Um, her name was Emily. And before she passed, um, she sent a letter to the organizers to have, you know, his dad, her dad do the race because, I mean, he couldn't qualify. So he, she was asking, you know, for a last gift, you know, for him from her on, her, on his birthday. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I would say that story, it was uh, very, um, that was, that's what it impacted me to, to do this thing, you know, like um, to start racing. Because, I mean, it was very emotional. It was a very emotional thing. And uh, again, I watched that videotape every single day for almost a year. And it was a videotape. It wasn't CDs back then. It was a video. The VHS is everybody. The VHS. Yeah, VHS. <laughs> I don't know if that exists anymore. They do. <laughs> Actually, I just saw a place and I was like, are they really having VHSs? Especially now they bring the records back. So VHSs are right. Right. Oh, I'm a little scared to. to anyway. Yeah, but I would say that. Yeah, definitely that. That was that's what inspired me to do this. Now, you know, the Bob Jordan story. Favorite post race food. Burgers. That's easy. <laughs> B and B burgers and beer. 
Burgers and beer. I love it. So yeah. he answered my other question at the end of a race. But there it is. Because I was usually beer, wine, yeah. water, or salt. He's like, B&B, beer and burgers. B&B, burgers and beer. And my one question that no one leaves this podcast without being asked. Do you pee on the bike or take a pop or pee break? What's that? Do, you... do I get? <laughs> do, you, do I pee? On do you bike? pee on the bike or take a proper pee break? No, 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 no. Never, never on the bike. No, I'm not. I mean, if you are an elite athlete oh. that you're gonna that you're gonna break a record, then you pee on the bike. If you, I mean, come on, come on, you know. That's just, I mean, especially when you have to run after that. And I mean, no, 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 no. That's why we have porta potties on the on eight stations, you know, so you can so you can stop. Now you know time. those porta potties be few and far in between on the bike. Yeah, well, you know, she get well, off the bike and you go to the woods or something. I forgot. Never, never on a neighbor, never go on a neighbor's lawn. <laughs> You just gotta go on the woods, you know. Go out there. You know, I forgot. Men can do things a little differently, so you have more leeway to go wherever you may choose or please. But that's that's good. At least we we, we got it together. Y'all, yeah, this is me. the Lyme disease. You know what I mean? Don't get don't get beaten by a tick or something. Uh, this has been great. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you for all you provide to the sport and just appreciate your energy, your knowledge, and your story. Thank you. Whenever you try beginners, like we had the same, you always win. And as you can hear, Tony even said it. It's a win-win. You cannot lose. I'm Ashonda Shines, and we are out. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.